the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Religion or relationship? You know, if you give up that relationship for religion, you're barking up a very nasty and dangerous tree, as we'll see next on Truth For Today. You're saved. You start out on this amazing road of grace, and then suddenly you find yourself working laws and rules and regulations back into your life, and it's become a religion instead of a relationship. There's a real danger to that, as we'll see here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the program. We're in Galatians 4, verses 8 through 20. We invite you to join us there. And just a quick reminder, questions for Pastor Phil, we'd love to hear from you. Use your voice memo app, record the question and your name, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org, and we'll use it on the air. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast. We've got Paul here going into one of the most heart-wrenching personal uh, descriptions of his gut-wrenching feelings about what's going on. He's been in court, as it were, uh, waxing eloquent, polemically, arguing his case. Don't go back under Judaism. Uh, Don't add anything to the cross work of Christ. Don't do this. And line upon line, I've argued about Abraham. I've argued that we're under promise, not law. We're related to Abraham, not Moses. If Christ has anything added to his work, we are spitting on the cross and saying it's an inadequate work of God. And he has been hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And now, all of a sudden, the human pathos in this man And I believe the human emotion of a mother visiting her girl in prison is saying, I'm in a second travail all over you, about you. I've already gone through the shadow of death once to bring you into this world. But now as I visit you in this prison cell block, I'm going through all the emotional anguish I went through the first time that it was physical as contractions were happening in my body. And as my body was undergoing great bone movements to give way, to give birth to this child, Paul is saying, I'm in the emotional trauma of watching the baby I gave birth to for Christ. As I evangelized you, and as I presented Christ, Now I'm in a second travail of which no mother has to go through. You just do it once. But I'm in a second travail because I feel like I'm losing the baby. I feel like my girl, my boy that I gave birth to is being picked off and that I've labored in vain. So let's look at three things. Uh, 
The pain of watching believers go back into bondage is the first thing. And it appeals to them in verses 8 through 11. I'm in pain that you're going back. Um, Two, he refreshes their memory as he calls it up in verses 12 through 16. Let me tell you how memorable it was when I first preached to you. And I watched the gospel working in you. It's pleasant memories I have of how you treated me, how you responded, how you would have torn out your eyes for me if need be. And finally, he just goes to say, I'm going through the present tense pain of a second travail, like a woman having a child, because I'm travailing that you won't go back to religion, but that you will begin to give manifestation to Christ, that Christ will be formed in you. And this word form is an interesting word. Besides being used of an embryo, it was used of taking on the external appearance of an internal reality, that you would begin to look like Christ, not to look like Moses. You and your character would be Christ on display not a rehashed Judaism that God has said ended with the coming of Christ. The pain of watching believers go back to bondage. Listen to what he says. I came to you, verse 8, when you did not know God. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. When I came into town, every one of you that I met was going to hell. But you were going to hell full of religion. Uh, You were giving all your time and all your money and all your effort to the idols of the day. You were as devoted as maybe any Jew to their religion or any of us Christians. It's amazing how devoted you can be to the wrong God and be a no God. And the no God was a Jewish term for idolatry. It's a no God. You've invented Dionysus. You've invented Asherah. You've been, you're giving them the power to speak, to listen, to talk. It's just a piece of stone. It's a piece of wood. And you're giving your whole life to them. It's amazing how you can give your life to something that can't talk. Give your whole life to something that can't deliver. But you feel the religious itch to do it. And it feels good. And so he's using the Gentiles. They gave their efforts to all these idols. And the Judaizers were giving all their effort to keeping a law that was outdated and had served its purpose. So they're both in the dilemma. So the Judaizers are saying, you need to adopt our set of religious practices. And the Gentiles said, oh, okay, these that got saved, we'll adopt a new set of practices. And Paul is saying, you're in the same condition. You're in the same rut. Religious works trying to win the favor of God. And he said, when I came to town, you didn't even know God. You know what? Uh, What becomes boring with church work sometimes is always talking to the same people who all have known God for a long time, and they're just hoping you get deeper in your sermons. You know, when you get bored with the church, you ought to become an evangelist and start getting some hell raisers in your life. 
and just witness to them. But we forget the pit from which we were dug. We forget what it was ever to be lost. And so we get picayunish with one another in the church. Because many times we can't stand to be around those old unsaved people, can we? Remember, the unsaved, uh, they're victims, they're not the enemy. They're victims, they're not the enemy. And were you not there at one time? And so what happens, they say most Christians have no unsaved friends after they've been saved two years because they've gotten so holy, there's no unsaved people in their life unless it's the place of employment. And what a great, and then we're all just saying, oh, I wish I could work for the church. Man, there's nothing but a religious atmosphere all the time. Don't kid yourself. We're still sinners working for God in a different place. We don't smoke too much in the office, but we try to cut it down. You know, we have to keep Dave Hurtado under control. Uh, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Uh, He's saying God has chosen to let you know him And something happened when I preached. You came to know God. And then he he gives you a great insight here. Before you can ever know God, God had to choose to know you. And the idea is he takes the initiative. And this word to know does not mean just cognizance, just general knowledge. He said this to Israel. You alone, Israel, of all the nations have I known. Now listen to that. You alone, Israel, of all the nations, have I known. Wait a minute. You mean God's not aware of the other nations? God doesn't know everything? Ah, this word for know was used of a man went into the tent and he knew his wife. What do you mean he knew his wife? He didn't know her name before. He knew her name, but it was used of conjugal intimacy. It was used of knowing them in a intimate, personal unique way. And so God says, for me to come to know you in a personal way, I had to foreknow you before the foundations of the world. And in time, I let you in on the fact you can know me. Know this, you don't like this theology, but you're not voting on it. It's in the Bible. Nobody gets to know God that God does not choose to disclose himself to Matthew 11, Christ is saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. But right before he said that, he was saying to the religious rulers, God has chosen to withhold the knowledge of me from you, but he's chosen to reveal himself to nursing babes at the breast. He has chosen in 1 Corinthians, what's weak, what's not noble, what's not impressive. He's chosen that the nobodies can know him. The greatest thing that can ever happen in your life is for God to choose for you to know him. And so Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 9, let not a man boast he's wise. Let him not boast that he's wealthy. Let him not boast that he's strong, but make this boast. I know Yahweh, the true and living God. It's not accidental. He set it up, and in time, 
you're introduced. And so Paul said, I preach to you pagan Gentiles. You are worshiping no gods. Uh, and now, and now I hear you accepted Christ, but you're going back under weak and beggarly principles. The word weak means no strength. And the word beggarly means poor. I preach to you the riches of Christ. I preach to you the power of a resurrected Christ. But you're leaving him and you're going over to religion that has no power and will leave you poor. You're leaving all the riches of salvation in Christ, made rich in God, getting a brand new home, a brand new nature, all your past forgiven. This is what happened when I came to you, and now I hear you've got a religious calendar. You've gone under slavery, and now you observe days and months, seasons and years, probably the Jewish sacred calendar. And so I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts. You mean I came to town so that I could see you people who never knew God and you received Christ and now you're being told Christ is not enough. What you need is a religious calendar. You need religious holidays. And besides that, you need to be circumcised. Let me tell you, I did not come to preach that you go back under what I grew up under as a Jewish boy, that I was still bound and lost. I preached the riches of Christ that set you free. Now I appeal to you, don't make yourselves slaves again. Slaves to what? Going to the bar? Drug habit? Slave to religious practices that have no effect towards God. It's amazing how religious you can be and still be as much a child of Satan as of God. Religious to your toenails, but you don't know God. I I see it in fundamental circles. Sometimes I see people that have come to this church. You know what? They're really strict. You know, you're kind of, we're right-wing butts. That's what they paint us as. Strict. Got everything nailed down, but you don't see Christ. You, you see that snarl, we're right. Yeah, you are. In your own eyes. You've got the eye disease called myopia. And you're full of my. And he's saying, I appeal. I hear you're being picked off. I hear you're considering being circumcised. Why? I hear you got the Jew. I hear you're keeping the three festivals of Israel. I hear you're keeping Sabbath. I hear you're going to be keeping Passover. Well, that's all right. If you're a Jew and you grew up, there's nothing wrong with that. But you're going under it as a way to win the favor of God and to complete what Christ didn't complete for you on the cross. This is an insult. I'm pained by it. Then he says, let me tell you why I'm so pained. This is what I remember about you. When I first came to you, I was suffering in my body. I was sick. And uh, boy, have the scholars had fun on what he was sick of. We don't know. In chapter 14 of Acts at Lystra, he was stoned by the Jews. I've always wondered, 
Did Paul get instant healing from the stonings? Did, I mean, after the stones, have you ever thought about being stoned? Every, every elder in the city can pick up a rock and throw at you. Of course, hit your head like they did Stephen. But, you know, it doesn't sound any way easy to be stoned and walk away from it. And we're not talking about drugs. We're talking about rocks. And I thought, well, did he just get up from the stoning? Because he, he crawled out from the stones later. Probably Barnabas, some of them pulled the stones. I don't know if they buried him. But just, I don't know how it all happened. But I would think they knew how to put enough stones on a man to kill him. They left him for dead. Now, I just wondered, now, when he got up from the stone pile, did he instantly, I'm healed? Or did he bear it? To the next place. He was beaten five times by the Jews, received 39 strokes because the law said you can give 40, but if you went one stroke over the 40, they could then beat the man that was had the whip. So they went to 39 in case they, in case they made a mistake. And five times he'd been beaten with the whip, back is bleeding, pulsating, shredded back. Did he just get up? There was instant healing. Be hard to go hold a healing meeting with a bleeding apostle. We have no way of knowing. I sort of think he had to heal up from it some way. Some say that when Paul was with them because they offered to tear out their eyes that he was suffering from uh, an eye disease. And in chapter 6 verse 11 he said, I wrote you in large letters. So they think that his eyes were diseased some way. Some feel that he got malaria. Uh, in Pamphylia, they say it was a lowland area, lots of mosquitoes. And uh, if you ever read about missions in northern Africa, uh, the first 29 waves of missionaries died at the hands of mosquitoes. I think of Borden, the, greatest, the great Englishman that sold his inheritance to go to North Africa and got over there at the age of about 24, and a stinking mosquito bit him, and he died. God must get glory out of the martyrs for his cause, or he's not big enough to keep a mosquito from biting you. And waves of missionary, Ruth Tucker writes that in her book, From Jerusalem to Ira Jira, The Progress of Modern Missions, 29 waves of missionary dying at the hands of a dirty little mosquito. Couldn't a messenger of the gospel be spared? And couldn't Paul be spared the stoning? We don't know what he had. Here's a, a, a theory that's really I was shocked about. Some feel he was having fits of epilepsy. And they take it from this word uh, right here... Uh, you, you did not show contempt or scorn for me. In verse 14, the word for scorn means to spit at. Just like that. The Jews spit at a man they thought was demon-possessed. But they thought epilepsy came from demons. So a Jew would spit in that day at a person that they felt was under a demonic curse. And so to show their scorn, they just spit at them. 
The Gentiles practiced spitting when they thought someone was under demonic influence or under a bewitching spell. So we're not sure. We abound in speculations. Malaria, eye disease, healing up from his stoning, um, under fits of epilepsy. Maybe seeing him as a man because of so much physical maladies that maybe this man has been under the influence of a fallen being because all messengers of God have got to look good. They've got to be in good health. How can you preach health and prosperity and not be healthy? Because health and wealth gospel is anathema gospel to start with. It is absolutely appalling that he who became poor should breed a bunch of preachers who say you've got to be rich to know him. It's anathema. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. It's an interesting phrase. Some take it, um, Dr. Cole takes it to be, be as honest with me as I've been with you. Think that that's the root idea. Others take it that Paul is maybe saying, become like me. I became free in Christ, and I was loaded with all these traditions and all this religiosity. And I came among you to preach the riches of Christ. I identified with you as a missionary, as it were, Become like me. Become free. Accept this gospel. Remain free. Uh, you have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. And literally the word was to spit at. And with a secondary meaning of scornful treatment. Uh, what's happened to you? I, instead, you welcome me as I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What's happened to all your joy? I can testify you would have torn out your for me. Have I become your enemy now that I'm telling you the truth? What in the world are we to make of preachers? Uh, one moment you can feel like they're an angel from God and the next moment you could want to spit them out are they womanizers or are they messengers of God do they have to be physically fit handsome bodily astute because their message rides on their bodily appearance their physical well-being. What do we do with a preacher? Paul said this. I was with you in humbling circumstances. I was ailing in my body. I had no strength. Whether I'm still healing from Lystra, suffering, we don't know what it is. Whether it's the messenger of Satan buffeting him. He said, but I know this, Galatians. This is my memory of you. When I came among you, you did not spit at me. You did not turn me down. 
But when I came and told you there's a pardon from the court of heaven through the gospel of Jesus, you received me as though I was an angel, as though I was Christ himself. That's what I remember. I'm concerned about where is the blessedness you once knew. When this gospel first came to you, loads of sin fell off. Your eyes opened. You, you embraced the truth. God has finally found us out and sent his messenger. And now the Judaizers are putting a wedge between you and I. And I'm feeling the agony of the loss. You're going to lose out on Christ. You're going to lose out with me. I'm saying, oh, do not forget the blessedness of how this gospel came to you at the first and how it lit up your world. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name of the Lord.